I just stuffed a whole bunch of pizza into my face. Give me a second. Hey, how's that? How's that? Can you describe the pizza to us? Uh, yeah, uh, it was a custom one that had like bell peppers and onions on it. Ooh, that's pretty good. No, no peps. No, no, just a uh, cheese, bell peppers, onions. Uh-huh. On a scale of one to ten, where would you put that pizza? Uh, let me roll for pizza. Yeah. Okay, roll for pizza. Let's see. Okay, hold on. Here we go. We're never getting started. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Corey, your DM. Welcome to Vibe Proficiency, a D&D podcast about death, quoting Sean Connery in The Last Crusade, and solving all your problems by just kind of throwing your friends, I guess. Uh, if you haven't yet, you can follow us on Twitter at Vibe Proficiency and tweet at us literally whenever you want. Uh, it's so cool to hear from you and see your amazing artwork of the characters and, and kind of watch everyone make guesses about where the story is heading. And speaking of the plot, uh, there's a lot of it coming at you in this one. So, you know, hold on to your butts and stuff. Uh, other than that, if you think about it and you happen to listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, uh, leaving us a review there would be super nice. And, you know, it helps people find us a tiny bit easier when they search chill D&D podcast to study slash relax to. So there's that. Uh, all right. I think I'm done talking at you. There's a... Uh, There's plenty of that in this episode, and I I don't want to overdo it. Uh, Seriously, thank you for listening. Uh, Here come the intros, and then uh, you get it. All right. Thanks. All right, let's get started. Hello, friends. I am Becca. I'm playing Mira, the tiefling druid. And our fun fact about Mira this week is she had an absolute favorite toy to play with when she was younger. It was a cute, tiny, tiny little music box that her and her sister found while on a walk one day. It played like the simplest of melodies, but to this day it's stuck in her head. She plays it on the lyre from time to time. So usually when you hear something little jaunty coming from her, it's the music box tune. And you're positive this isn't a song by the bard Sir Richard Astley. It may be. You know, Mira was very young. Her exposure, her, her, her family wasn't into, like, pop music. Okay. It was a lot of, like, folk stuff, so maybe. So you're talking, like, Phil Collins. Yes, absolutely. So Duke Philip Collins. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm Casey. I play Kira, the Kalistar monk. Uh, fun fact for Kira this week is uh, when Kira was younger, all she wanted to see was a dragon. Uh, she had heard stories that the moisture from a uh, dragon's body could heal anything uh, because it was so rare, um, you know, because fire destroys all kinds of moisture. But any moisture that could uh, endure a fire's heat or a dragon's fire was said to be like in the it, simplest of terms, is this, magic. Is this why you keep throwing Elwyn? Are you trying to get him to cry so you can use his <laughs> tears? To... No, I, I, she's talking about a real dragon. Elwyn's not a real dragon. He's oh. a pseudo-dragon. Oh. That's pseudo-dragon oh. moisture. Okay, that I'm could out. like maybe heal like a runny nose. Why is the first thing that I thought of like sweat? That's what I thought too like, when I wrote this. <laughs> well, I thought sweat, then pee, then tears, which <laughs> is dragons... upsetting. Well, I, tears because I've been attacked. Do dragons sweat? I mean, there. well, <laughs> maybe. She also wanted to see a dragon because she thought dragons were really cool. <laughs> because they're badass. <laughs> then she met Peck. Oof. And then I saw Peck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer a believer. <laughs> okay. Uh, hello, my name is Tyler. <laughs> I play Cadmus Lightbringer, a half-orc paladin. Ooh. Uh, fun fact for Senior Lightbringer. Um... <laughs> When he was young, he liked to hang about with the village armorer. And he kind of became enamored with, like, the way weapons and armor was kind of built and stuff. You know, like, when kids had, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, during that portion of his class, he was like, you know, I want to be a blacksmith. I want to make these wonderful suits of armor and, you know... Didn't really get around to that, unfortunately. <laughs> did did Cadmus ever make anything? Uh, he made a dagger. Ooh, oh, that's pretty does he good. Still have it? He lost it, unfortunately, in the scuffle of the uh, village raid. Oof. Mm. Big oof. Hate it when that happens. You lost a lot during that night. Yeah, I mean, you missed the dagger the most, though. Well, the dagger's name was um, uh, Needle. So I mean, yeah, I, I already see what happened there. There we go. Oh, I was waiting for a Game of Thrones joke, and there it is. You did it. Uh, I have still not seen any Game of Thrones, but you'll be happy to know I started watching Westworld, so oh, same thing. Oh, yeah, same thing. 
pretty much all you need to know about Game of Thrones is there's a throne, there's a game, and... Uh, is the game afoot? Yeah. Also, spoiler alert, Ned Stark wins at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he rode the dragon in the battle, actually. Shut, hey, don't spoil that part. Whoops. <laughs> I mean, we all know he rode that dragon, if you know what I'm saying. What? 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 I'm so lost. Do you have, like, a dragon fetish? <laughs> This is D&D. You know what? Things are starting to click into place. This all makes sense now. You are a pseudo-dragon. Hey, who are you? Oh, oh, me? Yeah, who are you? Oh, cool, 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 cool. So um, I'm Kelly. I play Harp, the <laughs> the Changeling Ranger. And uh, my fun fact is, it's funny because it's a youth fact, too. Oh. So uh, Axelia, when she was raising Harp, for a hot second, she was thinking of raising her as a little bard. She loved like singing and kind of like tapping on trees and all that jazz. So she thought that she was going to be a little bard. But unfortunately, they they never stayed long enough in a place for that to happen. So uh-huh. they couldn't really find a teacher. But um, she almost became a little bard. That would have worked out. I can picture because that. Because of her name. Could have become the second uh, Sir Richard Astley Jr. Oh, That's no. how bards work, right? You just take someone else's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Dread Pirate yep. Richard Astley. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Halo will met. Uh, I'm Chandler. I play Elwyn Peck, the uh, the warlock pseudo dragon. Probably everyone's favorite character by this point. I, I can't really see any reason why you'd hate Elwyn. Uh, fun fact about Elwyn: the first spell that you know he ever like got from his connection to you know magic stuff uh, was this very powerful spell uh, called uh, Eldritch Blast. Uh, I'm sure none of you have heard of it before. It's very secret. Uh, doesn't get used very often, but it's pretty powerful. Somebody pointed out that in different language variants of the PHB, the Eldritch Blast is called Spooky Blast oh, that's or something better. like that's that. Um, and I really prefer that. From now on, it is Spooky Blast. Yeah, Corey, every time I don't refer to it as Spooky Blast, um, just make sure to call me out on that, okay? Feel free to. Every time you don't refer to it as Spooky Blast, take three points of psychic damage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, now I'm gonna I'm I don't wanna like put this out into the ether if it's not true. Oh, but then we're gonna make it true because that's an amazing idea. Mysteriosa blast. Could go for that. <laughs> this is just getting better. Now I wish I had written it down. Oh shoot. In Spanish, if just translating Eldridge Blast in Spanish is Explosiona Sobrana Natural. So much better. It's pretty good. All of this is going in the episode. Oh, it's, uh, I can't speak French, but it's Explosion Surnatural in French. Explode. Whoa, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Explosion Surnatural. That's very similar to the Spanish translation as well. Chef Kiss. But yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Everyone, everyone loves this, this, uh, this spell. Everyone loves it. Everything about Russian, it. I took but I was very bad at it. I did not pass it. <laughs> Translating from Spanish's back to English should just translate to Supernatural Explosion. See, that's pretty good. Too. Which is more or less what an Eldritch Blast is. Translated back from Russian, it is Eerie Explosion. Eerie Explosion. That's really good. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm going to have the confidence to DM anytime soon, but if I ever do, all spells will be run through Google Translate <laughs> several times. It's perfect. <laughs> Uh, okay, last time on Vibe Proficiency, you attempted to follow the shadowy figure you saw through the forest, running away from town, and after losing and then refinding the trail, you found yourselves breaching through the tree line and on the eastern coastal path. Uh, Cadmus stopped a random passerby to ask him a question he seemed to forget halfway through inquiring, <laughs> and Peck insulted the man repeatedly, guaranteeing his return as the big bad of this campaign. <laughs> Mira tried to initiate a fun little jauntage on her way back to town, and Casey refused to yes and hard enough to sing a Rick Astley song on our very serious <laughs> podcast. You checked in with the alchemist in Port Crescent, a halfling who immediately identified the remnants of the vial of poison as hemlock, and agreed to work on finding a remedy for its effects. Much to Harp's dismay, Ellen was unable to pass up a shop full of magical items and took a detour to the mash shop again to buy a fun little kitsune-looking thing. While Mira tried to evoke some kind of bird ex machina, Cadmus and Peck <laughs> cheated their asses off at a game or three of Find the Lady in an attempt to get some info about the poison food stand from the other night. Also, Elwyn stole three gold by just jamming his little fingies into the hustler's pocket. <laughs> Score. Uh, you all took the night to go back to Ansel's place and take a long rest, filling him in on your findings, meager as they were. 
Uh, after running into the alchemist for the third time without asking her name, I guess, you got an <laughs> antidote for the hemlock toxin. Yikaroo, y'all. This was a long episode. Uh, you made it to the small town of Holyhead to the north and made a beeline for the small temple where Mira charmed a guard and you all successfully claimed that you were sent to investigate. You traipsed around some very clearly hallowed ground and looted the hell out of this ancient temple, stopping just short of smashing some funerary urns, hoping for rupees to shoot out. <laughs> uh, you did find some interesting books, though, and some thin octagonal coins bearing Kalimvord, the god of death's insignia, though. Uh, that's pretty neat. You found yourselves in a chamber with several armor guardians lying dormant, and we ended the session with one of them beginning to wake to the sound of you clomping through the room. So... Let me get those initiative rolls. What have you got? Dun, 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 dun. I didn't click my guy, yeah, but ten. I rolled a nine. I got a ten. Okay. I got an eight. There's Kelly's one good roll for the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Harp, you are the first to notice the sound of the old metal plates scraping against each other. And you immediately snap to the source of the sound and you spot movement over Cadmus' shoulder. In the northwest corner of the room, this previously inanimate and aged suit of armor begins to make slow, jerky movements, and it's picking up fluidity as it wears away countless years of dust in its joints, and it just uh, it steps down from a short raised pedestal clumsily and begins moving towards the group of you. Uh, but it's still a ways off. What are you doing? Uh, since it's far, I'll use my longbow. Wait, did it automatically do it? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You rolled. And 18, it looks like. 18 hits. Oh, Off to a good start. We'll get. Its AC is probably 17. <laughs> uh, roll your damage. Piercing 7. Okay. Uh, you quickly bring up your longbow and aim just past Cadmus at this now animated armor, and you briefly catch the beginnings of a surprise expression on Cadmus' face as you exhale slowly and just loose an arrow just ever so precisely over his right shoulder. <laughs> it flies straight towards the helmet of the armor, and it just slips perfectly between the grates of the visor, and the pressure is enough to create a dent on the back of the helmet from the inside as it slams into it with this reverberant thud. Uh, it does not seem deterred, though, and it closes the ground between you quicker and quicker. It just seems to be gaining mobility the more it loosens its stiff limbs, and it steps to the side of Cadmus and raises both of its fists up in the air, and it swiftly slams them down at you. Oh, Jesus. Uh, 21 to hit? I probably well, miss this. Definitely hit. <laughs> you take three bludgeoning damage as it brings its large metal fist down on you. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Kira, this suit of armor is just a few feet away from you, just slightly off balance after throwing its weight at Harp. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, move over to it and attack it with uh, my quarterstaff. Okay. Uh, that is a 21 to hit. Yeah, yeah, 21 hits. Uh, two damage. Okay. Uh, you slam into the breastplate of this thing, and it makes a weird echo inside. Like, it's so strange to attack a suit of armor with nothing in it. Uh, but Could it does you try kind to of... give us a version of what that sounds like? Uh, yeah, uh, you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that was actually nice, really good. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> it's good. Okay, uh, so yeah, you hit it squarely in the chest and it stumbles backwards for a second, but it like writes itself after a brief moment of unease. How many more of these are in the room? Uh, there are two on the ground, like the one that you saw in the hallway, uh, and then one still standing in the southeast corner of the room. So with within reason, I could probably assume that the other one over on the wall is, might come to life as well. I'm going to, where is it? Is it? Is it in the northeast or south? Uh, southeast, yeah. Southeast. Uh, I'm going to go for a, a, a yield Eldritch Blast. <laughs> I know you didn't expect it. You thought I was yeah. going to do something else, but uh, 13 to hit. Yeah, 13 hits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, nine damage. Okay. Uh, does your Eldritch Blast always push the target? Uh, it does always push 10 feet. Okay. So you launch this concussive force at this stationary armor, and the ball of energy collides with it in a small but powerful explosion, and the armor is just thrown backwards into the corner it's standing in front of. It takes two more points of damage when the back piece of the armor is dented as it slammed into the wall. And you see smaller pieces of connective armor loosen and even fall off. And it's completely motionless, just battered with his chest plate scorched by the sheer force of your magic. But just as you start to turn away from it, assuming it to be inert, 
it begins to show those same signs of waking as the other had, just slowly and jerkingly lurching towards the group of you. They got welcome to the jam. <laughs> Come on and slam. Yeah, now welcome to the jam. <laughs> hey, what are you going to do? Um, Guys, uh, this one over here is uh, it, it's also going to need some attention. I'm going to run over to this guy. Peck uh-huh. just blasted eldridgely. Okay. It was pretty eldridgely. And I I'm going blast. to just hit it with the sword. So 25. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Where were these rolls last time? I don't know. Uh, 25 certainly You hits. told us we were allowed to fudge our rolls this time, right? Nope. <laughs> oh. oh, that's all I've been doing. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I've only been rolling like ones and twos. Nice six damage. Yeah. Uh, you take a powerful swing at it with your broad, heavy blade, and it brings up its arm in an attempt to parry you, and it flinches when you dent the forearm piece. It's like it underestimated how much force would be delivered in that swing. And it all happened so fast, and it caught her a bit by surprise, but now that she has a clear picture of what's going on, what is Mira doing? I'd like to use my movement to kind of go up and around so that I'm on the opposite side of Harp to the armor. Like on its back? Yeah. I'd like to use my bonus action to cast a Lele okay. and smack it real hard with <laughs> the quarterstaff as one okay. piece. Uh, let's say our house rule for this sort of thing is that if you are directly behind it while it's engaged with somebody else in front of it, then you get advantage okay. like you are right now. Uh, it is a nat 20 oh. uh, for a 24. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that hits for sure. Oh, that is a 10 plus six magical damage. So 16. <laughs> okay. Uh, you raise your shillelagh and just absolutely cave this thing's head in. <laughs> Uh, you dent the metal on the back of its head so badly that it like lurches forward and loses its balance for just a moment. Uh, Harp, what are you doing right now? So um, I'm just gonna longbow it again. Okay. Uh, if you do that from this range, what? you're actually Ooh. at disadvantage. You just have to match that nat 20 you just rolled. Wait, <laughs> I'm not talking about the one in front of me. Oh, okay. Uh, so you're gonna like turn your back on this one and like fire at a different one? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So then roll crit damage for the one in the corner that Peck originally blasted. Okay. Six. Okay. So you sink an arrow into this thing's shoulder, and you can tell, like, you've managed to sort of hinder its arm movement, and it can't seem to lift that arm anymore. Uh, Since the one you were originally engaged with just got absolutely brained by Mira, (laughs) and you're turning away from it, it decides it's done with you and turns just its upper body fully around to face the source of its head trauma. And it's actually going to multi-attack and make two separate slam attacks at you, Mira. Uh, first rolls an 11, second rolls an 8. Uh, I have 14 AC. Did we already make a space gem joke? <laughs> yes, yes, we did. <laughs> okay. Why did you decide to make another one there? <laughs> he said he was going to slam. It, uh, it takes two swings at you in wild succession. It just misses both. I think it's turning around that quickly, being disoriented and getting slammed on the back of the head. is just It's completely misses. Uh, I'm going to attack one right in front of me. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do it two-handed, though. Oh, that is <laughs> okay. a oh, that's critical fail. A, uh, that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, okay, so this is what happens. Uh, since all of these turns essentially take place at the same time in-universe... Uh, You put a lot of force behind this swing, but it shifts its position while it makes its first attack against Mira, and it manages to accidentally duck under your swing and then bump into your hands as it readies its second slam attack, and it catches you in just the right way to make you lose your grip on your weapon, and you are disarmed as it flies away from you and skids to a stop on the ground. Uh, the, uh, the other armor suit picks up a piece of itself that has fallen off and it attempts to throw it at you, Cadmus. Uh, but it also rolls in that one. So, uh, Misses. it, uh, it pulls its arm back to throw, uh, but a piece of its leg must have also been damaged when it was flung into the wall because it just buckles underneath the weight of the armor and it falls to the ground prone, just dropping its improvised weapon. Uh, uh, I'll just go for that other one down there again. Still, the prone, yeah, yeah, the prone one. Yeah. Roll with advantage then. Oop! I did not roll advantage. Let me let me roll a second die there. One more of those bad boys. Uh, that first one was a nine, uh, <laughs> and that second one is a nine. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty impressive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 
Okay, so you fire an Eldritch Blast at this thing and you hit where it was just standing, just as it falls <laughs> down to the ground. It just goes, whoop. <laughs> yeah. If it hadn't fallen down, you probably would have hit it. Cadmus, <laughs> I was going to hit it! What did you do? <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't, I didn't yeah. make it fall. No, no, it was trying to hit you and then it uh, fell on its yeah. own. Yeah, okay. You should have taken the hit. <laughs> I'm going to ignore him as I typically do. Yeah, that's a good call. And I'm going to stab the dude under me. Okay. Uh, advantage, please. 21. Okay, nice. Uh, you bring your sword up high, and from behind, you jab the blade between the helmet and the torso, just completely severing the two, and the armor just crumples to the ground motionless. All right, I have an idea. Tell me if it's possible. Okay. I'm thinking about running back just a little bit, and that gives him an attack, right? Uh, yeah, opportunity attack. Because he's facing me? Uh-huh. Because I want to do that so that I can cast Thorn Whip and try to kind of pull him forward in an attempt to um, kind of pull the armor apart. Okay. Uh, Are you going to take the opportunity attack? Yeah, I think it's going to be worth it if I can. Okay. Uh, Let me roll. 15. Oh, that just hits. Yeah. Come on and slam. Hey, we made a a Space Jam joke. We should make a Space Jam joke. (laughs) Uh, Six. Okay. Yeah, that hits pretty good, but uh, all right. And then you're going to do Thorn Whip, right? No, we did forget to save before we came into this room, though. I quick saved a long yeah, time ago. Yeah. Tyler quick saved. Uh, that was a nat twenty for a twenty-two. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that is uh, so that's six piercing. Okay. And I want to try to pull him forward mm-hmm. as I do that. Uh, okay. So the vines erupt forward from you, ensnaring the armor. Like you can hear the multitude of thorns just raking across the aged metal as they constrict and bind this suit. And when you're satisfied that it can't escape, you just pull sharply on the vines and you're surprised with how easy it just gives way. And you all watch as the armor is ripped not only forward towards Mira, but just completely apart. And Peck, you can see the aura drain from the armor pieces as they fly across the room (laughs) and cling to the ground. Uh, With now four crumpled and inert suits of armor strewn about the room, it seems like your path forward is unhindered. Uh, I assume you're still trying to go through the door? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So walking through the doorway, you find yourselves in like a short connecting hallway between the room you just left and another slightly less cavernous one that seems to be filled with pedestals of varying sizes uh, and a few maybe support columns. Uh, Who's in the front of the party? I am not. I will go first. All right. Cadmus, make a dexterity save for me then. 20. (laughs) Uh, Okay, as you cross the threshold from this small hallway into the room beyond, your passive perception doesn't quite let you notice until mid-step that your foot is about to collide with a very obviously protruding stone on the ground. With your 20 on dexterity, though, you have just enough time to shift your weight and kind of like hop. Can I shout from behind him? In the Latin alphabet, Jehovah starts with an I. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you can you can shout that. Um, as uh, as Cadmus jumps over this pressure plate though and lands on the solid ground just past it, uh, the rest of the party, if you weren't aware before, you can definitely see it now. Uh, if anyone wants to try and see what's up with this plate, go ahead and roll investigation. Otherwise, we can keep on keeping on. I'll check it out. I'll roll it. Oh, <laughs> what is that? Sixteen. Sixteen. Chandler got a twenty-two. Okay. Uh, So it's pretty apparent to both of you that this pressure plate has previously been depressed. Like, not from Cadmus, you saw him avoid it, but it's unmistakably in the down position already. Would there be little footprints that could have set it off? Yeah, it doesn't take much to see a small scuff mark in the thin layer of dust on the pressure plate itself. As you shift your focus from the plate on the floor to the rest of the room, uh, you realize that what you first registered as like pillars and pedestals throughout the room are actually these square tiles of the floor, ceiling, and walls that apparently have been like sliding inwards towards the center of the room. And the understanding is finally starting to hit you that someone came in here and set off this crushing trap, disarmed it, and then continued through the room. Uh, is there anything else in the in, of importance that we can find in the room? Uh, yeah, sure. You can uh, make a second investigation check to do a more thorough sweep of the room now if you want. It's uh, 18. Yeah, okay. Uh, each of these sliding pillars jutting out of the surface of the room seem to have been like slightly engraved with a different symbol. They don't immediately look familiar to you, unfortunately. It must be something you haven't studied language-wise. Uh, getting close to one of the vertical ones that isn't too tall, you can see a handprint in the dust, maybe twice the size of yours, Peck. But, you know, that does make it smaller than the average human's hand size. 
you also notice that near the middle of the room on the floor is what looks to be like a scorch mark. Uh, let's say it calls to mind the scorch mark you left on the chest of that stationary armor when you blasted it with your magic earlier. Uh, but what's strange about this one is that in the center of the scorch mark is a clean patch of floor in the shape of like a perfect rectangle. Like imagine when you lay a stencil down and spray paint over it and you overspray and it like leaves a clean shape on the surface. So someone solved your puzzle trap before us. <laughs> yeah, you got me. It seems like it. Does anyone have a notebook with them that they could take note of these uh, answers in case we need to come back this way? Uh, I ch- should. Or you can scrawl it in the book you just uh, Yes, I do have ink, ink, pen. I have parchment. Do you have a pear tree? Uh, no, I don't have a pear tree. I left that at home. Okay. But yeah, I'll take down I'll take down the symbols. Okay. Uh, yeah, you jot down the symbols you see with the handprints on them just to be safe. Uh, are you probably heading towards the far door then? Yes. yes. Okay. One of the big horizontal pillars has completely blocked the top half of the exit. Uh, so everyone but Peck needs to duck as they make their way under uh, the door. I charge headfirst through the entire room. <laughs> I mean, how far are you going to run? Oh, the entire um, no. Are you gonna? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, Then as you make your way under the short doorway, you all take a moment to take in the long, wide corridor stretching out in front of you. It's easily 50 feet long, and the ceilings are high, and the far side of the room seems to open to another smaller but wider room. Uh, On either side of the space, though, are floor-to-ceiling recesses carved into the walls, and each one of these is home to a different, very large statue. Uh, You don't recognize any of the people depicted in these statues, but all eight of them are sculpted as wearing the same robes. And while each is in their own unique pose, they all appear to be displaying deference with their eyes closed. Uh, What do you do? What if I... No, never mind. That wouldn't work. (laughs) I'm just going to send a mage hand just flying through to see if it's anything (laughs) off. I'm going to... uh... What are you going to do? I was just going to throw something down the hallway. What what were you going to throw? This unlit torch. <laughs> uh, as you go to throw it, uh, I cast Mage Hand and grab the torch. Ah. And then I just, with my Mage Hand, which can go 30 feet, maybe halfway down, I just want to like drag the torch across the ground and just like... <laughs> all, along, all along the ground. Okay, that's a great sound. Why don't we throw Peck again? It worked so well last time. Eldritch <laughs> blast you so fast. Counterspell. Kind of like the throwing peck idea. Oh, or, I hate you all. Or or we do have an unseen servant. That's true. I need my unseen servant to carry everything. <laughs> I, I do the mage hand. I take the torch. Does anything happen? Cadmus, do you want to you wanna chuck this uh, rat with wings? Oh the torch, I really do. The torch is already gone. And the torch has already <laughs> happened. It's been said. My mage hand definitely picks it up and just drags it across the ground. I'm trying to find pressure points. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you don't find anything. I think we're safe to move forward. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's send the unseen servant first. No, absolutely not. We'll hold oh your God. stuff. Absolutely not. If it's safe, what's the problem? You go first, paladin. You have a shield to protect yourself. You are, if you are if you were actually some great paladin, you would go first. <laughs> you wouldn't try and get others to do this work for you. First of all, never said I was a great paladin. And second of all, you haven't impressed me too well. While these two are bickering, I'm going to go ahead and walk in. Like, you're just going to, like, go through the whole hallway, just, like, walk out? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, (laughs) So while the party argues about the best way to proceed, Kira just confidently walks down the middle of this large corridor. And I kind of like to imagine that everyone quiets down as they realize this. And Kira, with your quarry spirit acting as your eyes... Uh, you're being made aware of everything in the room in the familiar and efficient way you've learned to coexist in one body. And I think that since the last encounter you had with any real danger was seemingly, you know, decorative figures coming to life, uh, your spirit is focusing pretty intently on each of these statues, which is smart until it isn't. Go ahead and make a dexterity save for me, would you? That's well. Okay. Uh, you are at the opening to the next room, and though the two of you communicate at the speed of thought, your quarry spirit doesn't have a chance to warn you until mid-step that the floor beyond this doorway drops away steeply, and you try to correct yourself, but it's it's too late. And the rest of you see Kira walk through the open doorway and then just plummet downwards. It's it. <laughs> uh, Kira, you take <laughs> one damage as you fall into a deep hole. 
Uh, this whole room is just a wide, deep pit between the long room you just left and what seemed for a second to be another larger, grand room before you fell. Uh, judging by the scuffs in the layer of dust on the floor and uh, some of the like loose bits of stone, you aren't the only one to have fallen down here recently. Uh, there's not much to speak of in the pit, save for another one of those peculiar scorch marks with a clean rectangle in the middle on the uh, on the floor near the far wall down here. I want to um, run on up with my rope if someone wants to come up and try to help pull her out. I am very weak, so I will not. <laughs> I will help you. I will come and observe, though. Do one of us want to tie the rope to ourselves to kind of, and one of us pull? Tie it to to Peck and also to one of the statues. But just one of the statues, not to me. I refuse to let anything be tied to me. All right, Peck, do you want to tie this to the statue? Uh, No, you can do that. (laughs) See, I'm afraid if we tie it to the statue, the statue's coming to life. I think we can, Uh, I think we can pull them out. Okay, so let's, we're going to throw down some rope to Kira. Uh, is there like a lever on the other side that would like provide a, a walkway? Uh, yeah, roll investigation. Uh, that's an 11. You do see a small lever on the other side. Uh, you're not sure exactly what it does. Cool, I'm just, can I just walk over there then? Like on the other side of the pit? You fly over there with your wings. <laughs> yeah, I, listen. <laughs> I mean, if not, I could just mage hand it. Yeah, you could definitely mage hand it. We for can sure. throw you over. Or, yeah, or Cadmus can throw you. Uh, I, I see a I see a lever over there. Once you get uh, uh, what's her name? Kira Kira up here. I will uh, pull the lever. Did you, uh, did you forget her name? Or No, absolutely not. My mage hand will do it. <laughs> I am a scholar, and I shall not be thrown anymore. <laughs> All right, let's just try. Yeah, try pulling this rope up. Uh, yeah, you're able to pull Kira out of the pit. Perfect. Once they have uh, her out, I will use my mage hand and pull the lever. Yeah, uh, from the far side of the pit extends a little bridge, like a little stone pedestal, much like the sliding pillars you saw in the crushing room behind you, slides out and uh, makes a bridge across the pit. Huzzah! There we are, (laughs) friends. We can now cross this bridge to the other side. Uh, When we get across, I'm going to take a handful of dirt or sand and just oh my throw God. it back on the bridge so that we can see it the whole time and yeah. realize it was really there, always there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> great, great. Uh, everybody can cross the little bridge. Are there any are there any saws we can we can like dip, dodge, duck, and dive <laughs> around so that I can complete this? Yeah. Uh, last yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you actually find yourselves in an incredibly spacious but sparsely decorated room. And it's almost strange how empty it is of adornment, seeing as how you, you know, you kind of expected more lavish furnishings from this center innermost chamber of the underground temple. But uh, there's really only a couple of things in this room that draw any attention. The back wall of the chamber is covered in a a very understated but still very large mosaic mural. I think if any of you have seen a mural like this before, you're probably wondering, like, why is this one completely colorless? It's definitely made of small, individually shaped tiles, but each of them is perfectly gray. Uh, It's also clear that these little tiles were meticulously shaped because not only is the image of the mural perfectly symmetrical, the individual tiles that make it up seem to be symmetrically shaped. You have to assume that the imposing stoic figure depicted with his arms loosely outstretched and palms facing up towards the ceiling is Kelimvor, judging by the sheer size of him and the fact that his pose vaguely resembles the balanced scales you've come to know as his holy symbol. Uh, In the center of the room is a large circular stone pedestal, easily six feet by six feet, and there's a small stand on it in the center that seems like it might have been intended to hold something, but that stand is currently empty. Hmm. Let's put Peck on it. Do you guys stop hating on Peck? It's, gonna, it's really hurting his... It's really going to cry later. Hey, next time we take a long rest, I do just want to make a note that Peck does cry. I'm writing it down. He finally opened up to some people, showed a little bit of the inside, how he, he hates the way he looks now, and then they just make fun of him. They want to throw him. He's, he's definitely going to cry the next time he gets the chance. Like this if you cry ever, Tim. <laughs> Got to press F to pay respect. All right, so pedestal, pedestal's empty. There's nothing else in the room. I would like to detect magic. I would like to use divine sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, Cadmus, there is something just endlessly confusing about your divine sense lately. It's, 
I don't know, it's always been able to be trusted to help you locate fiends and undead, but there's just something about the monk to your left that pulls your focus, and you can't quite place why. But beyond that, you're certain there's no undead here or anything like that. Great. <laughs> uh, Peck, when you cast Detect Magic, though, you can tell by the faint yellow hue of the aura coming from the pedestal itself that there once was abjuration magic here, uh, but just underneath that golden glow, you feel the, I don't know, the faintest remnants of some kind of inky, dark aura coming from the empty space on the pedestal. Uh, there's nothing there, but whatever used to be there must have been powerful. And the longer you concentrate on this just whisper of magic aura, the more the scaly skin on the back of your neck bristles. Uh, can I try and... Uh skim through the book and see if I find anything about yeah. this pedestal. In the yeah, book. sure. Uh, you take a little spin through the book and you start at the back, kind of flip through quickly. Uh, there's not like an illustration or anything like that, uh, but you're a scholar. Like you understand the implications of a heavily protected, seemingly magical item being sealed away underground. Like if it looks like a powerful magical artifact and it quacks like a powerful magical artifact, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like something should have been here and it's clearly not. Uh, also, with your detect magic, you notice the same like dissipated energy from the animated armor suits you dealt with already on two collapsed armor suits in the corners of the room, and these two are much, much bigger than the ones you guys dealt with. Uh, it's weird, though, because, I mean, they don't seem to have a single mark on them to indicate a fight. Like, they're still covered in a thin layer of dust from the look of them, and the way that they're both, you know, symmetrically placed in the room might even indicate that they just fell apart on their own. Okay, so these are these guys are dead. Yeah. And the last thing that briefly catches your, like, third eye is another one of those strange scorch marks on the ground, but with a much larger burn radius extending past the clean rectangle in the center. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just the sheer size of this one, but you can definitely tell now that the scorch is magical in nature, and it's really hard to pinpoint the slowly dissolving aura around it, but it's yellow as well. No, wait, gray? Maybe? gray and yellow? No, hmm. It's not quite what you'd expect. Uh, Harp and Mira, as the, like, trackers of the group, you both take notice of the tracks and the dust on the floor in this room again. Uh, the small feet seem to make it a short way into the room, stop at the scorch mark on the ground, and then just stride up to the pedestal itself before turning and leaving the way they came. More hurriedly, though, judging by the spacing between them as they exit. Great. Okay. Now, they can see that these are small feet, but can they see if they're happy feet? <laughs> can we particularly be helpful if someone who flew in our group could look at the top of the pedestal to see from the dust about how big this relic is? I don't think we have anyone that flies. <laughs> I could toss you up there. Quit tossing me! <laughs> I guess that's the thing now. As the podcast, I think that's our gimmick. <laughs> Um, it's mostly Space Jam bits <laughs> and tossing peck jokes. I hate this gimmick. I think that's kind of our whole thing. It looks like there was some type of uh, relic that should have been here. And it looks like these two elder guardians were defeated by someone. I, I don't know who or when or where or why or how. <laughs> uh, I placed the book on the altar. Yeah, okay. You're uh, You're able to place the book on the altar? I mean, you're not magically blocked from touching it or anything? Just wanted to try for fun. Yeah, I mean, hey, gotta try it. Can I can I place the three coins that I have on the altar? Could it be just those coins, or is it gold in general? Why don't you try? <laughs> Why don't you try, Peck? You're the one with the most gold. You are holding that gold, after all. Uh, I I don't have that much gold. I I found Vandrin the other night, and I passed the gold along to him. <laughs> You want to roll deception on that one? <laughs> oh, I sure will. I got plus five to deception. Oh, no, that's your one! <laughs> uh, everyone knows you are lying through your teeth right now. <laughs> it's I don't so care. painfully obvious. I don't care. <laughs> the teeth we see underneath the fox mask. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Kira, you, you scatter these old, thin, octagonal coins onto the altar and uh, nothing seems to happen. And you maybe even go to scoop them back up. But as you're reaching for them, you feel wind gently rippling your hair and the more loose parts of your clothing. And that strikes you as odd because, well, why would there be wind all the way down here in the furthest reaches of an underground temple? It's 
a really feeble breeze, but your passive perception is high enough that you pick up on it immediately. And as you draw your focus to it and try to determine where it might be coming from, you feel it begin to pick up into a steady current. And all of you can clearly feel it now, this energy in the air. It's picking up steadily and exponentially, and the sound of it is echoing in the chamber, building on itself louder and louder until this violent gale of force threatens to make you lose your balance and your ears are all ringing and the room begins to get brighter and brighter and then suddenly, silence. The wind is still here, but it's, it's calmer now. No longer an intimidating gale, but an enveloping breeze and it's uncanny how completely quiet it is in this space. You can almost hear your own hearts beating. And before you, a figure begins to take form. With every moment, it becomes more tangible and clear. It's a large person taking up the space nearly from floor to ceiling. They're simultaneously terrifying and completely captivating. Or now that the form is becoming more clear, he is. It's him, just like in the mosaic. It's Kelimvor here, in front of you, but somehow intangible, like you can see straight through him. His silvered hair frames his face, and his skin, transparent as it is right now, it reminds you of fogged, scratched crystal. It's fitting because many of his features are angular and sharp. As the wind in this space begins to pull at you gently, he is silent and almost inquisitive. What do you do? Hail and well met, oh dude of dudes. <laughs> he smites you. <laughs> um, anybody else want to take a whack at it? <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll turn to him and say, uh, there was a woman with robes. She came through here, didn't she? Did she take anything from this room? His gaze shifts and locks to you both. And as it does, you see his luminous form just sort of waver. And he opens his mouth to speak, but when he begins to talk, there's just nothing. Just no sound at all. And I think that it takes him a moment to realize that you can't hear him, and he just looks briefly down at his hyaline, incandescent body, and each time he moves, it's like he just phases and flickers, going between barely visible and almost tangible. And you can tell it's taking a great deal of effort on his part to just be here. And he pauses for a moment, and he slowly turns back to you before closing his eyes and raising his hands in front of him. And the wind still swirling around you begins to swell again, as you each begin to feel strange. It's somehow familiar, though. Like, well, like when Peck uses his limited telepathy to create images in your mind, you feel linked with each other and Kalimvor. And all at once, the room is just gone, a completely black void. And you hear those questions filling the space and ringing in your ears. Did she take anything from this room? She came through here. And as they do, a hazy scene rushes into existence in front of you, filling the black void rapidly, just piece by piece. It's overwhelming and blurry and hard to focus on anything for more than a brief moment at a time. But it, it's... Wait, is it... Is it this room? But from an aerial perspective, and it's dark... It's hard to tell if there's any sound in this, I don't know, vision? Because of the sound of wind and magical white noise crackling in your ears. But you're looking down on the room from above, and it's, it's slightly different now. For starters, the large suits of armor are upright and not collapsed. And also, the pedestal isn't empty. There's something on it. Something circular. It's already hard to see with any clarity, but it's even more difficult to tell what it is because it's somehow obscured by like a, like a dome of blurry air. Like looking at someone from across the campfire and the heat distorts the view. And from the doorway, you see a light, dim but growing brighter and nearer. And it crosses into the room, a glowing orb of light on the end of a staff. The light source is so bright and the vision is so unstable that... It actually reminds you of straining to look through your old glasses in the rain at night, Peck, but it's clear that the staff is being held by a short figure in a dark cloak. And they enter the room cautiously, staff in one hand and, and something in the other, and they kneel down and unfurl what you can now tell is some kind of 
stiff cloth or, or parchment, and they place it on the ground in front of the altar and hesitate just a moment while looking up at the object on the pedestal. And they seem to brace for impact as they place their hand on the center of this, I don't know, paper, I guess. And a bright flash erupts from the parchment and engulfs the room in a wave of magic. And as it travels outwards from its source, you see the light on the staff fizzle out and the altar's distorted protection almost shatters as the room quickly dims and the suits of armor collapse into heaps. And suddenly, you're back on the ground, standing in the swirling wind face to face with this deity. Was the artifact a chalice. <laughs> Fun fact number two, uh, Kira's favorite movie is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Was it a weapon? I mean, anything could be a weapon. <laughs> is this artifact what could be raising the undead? Uh, yeah, as you ask these questions, just like before, the room falls away in front of you and the black nothingness replaces it. Was it a weapon? It could be raising the undead. You see a person at a grand altar. No. An ornate workbench of some kind? Everything in this vision seems antique. They really don't make things in this old-fashioned style anymore. You're all certain this vision is extremely old. Most of the details of the person, though, are just like before. Incredibly hard to see with any clarity, but they're hunched over an object and focused intently. And I think that the vision shifts so that we can see up closer just the hands of this person, and they're holding small tools, setting what appear to be droplet-shaped rubies, maybe maybe red cinnabar, into what looks like bone, but older, petrified perhaps. And they finish setting the stones and they move their hands away to admire their work, a jagged crown formed of aged, sturdy bone and, yes, red gems of some kind. The five decorative points stand tall and twisting, each adorned with a single stone, and there's something unwholesome about this thing. It makes you feel ill just to look at. And like a flash of lightning, the vision cuts away for just a fraction of a second to a woman lying on a slab, before it cuts back to the glint of the candlelight on the red stones of the crown. It was nearly instantaneous, but you don't need a second look to know she wasn't alive. And you feel, in that moment, a deep pain in your chest. The dull ache of loss, the truly broken-hearted defeat of someone grieving with their entire being. And, and while this feeling swells in your chest, the vision flashes back just for a moment to the woman's hand, limp and lifeless at her side, before flashing back to the hands of the crown maker, now tightening their grip on the unsavory thing. And just for a moment, all you can see is the woman's eyes open with a jolt, cold and glassy, and in them you can see the reflection of a silhouette of a person wearing a five-pointed, jagged crown. And the vision is gone. You're suddenly back in front of the empty altar, and Kalimvor's eyes seem to silently plead with you, and you can tell what he wants from you is your help. And it's more clear now than before, he can't stay here. He can barely manifest here whatever it is that he's doing. Something's not letting him. And maybe it never occurred to you before that even the gods might have their limitations, but it's plain to see with each passing moment, his ephemeral form is waning. Is there something that could stop this relic? Do you want us to bring the artifact and place it back here? Uh, yeah, he nods. And as he does so, his sharp angular features become blurry for a moment. And in noticing this, he quickly opens his mouth in another attempt to speak and vanishes. And the wind slowly dies down and the magical current in the air dissipates and he's just gone. Didn't even get to play a full round of, uh, never mind, joke's over. <laughs> so before he leaves, uh, Casey, be sure to ask him what his favorite Indiana Jones movie is. <laughs> I still think we need someone to look at the top of the pedestal. I throw a peck up in the air. You don't. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> I guess uh, roll a pose dexterity if I, that's really I, what you want to do. I just do. move away from him. <laughs> Nine. Okay, Tyler? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Peck, I guess you see Cadmus hear Mira mention looking at the pedestal, and he raises an eyebrow and he starts reaching towards <laughs> you. Throw me. I think you command your unseen servant to start stepping back quickly, but it's not quite fast enough. <laughs> and Cadmus snatches you off your perch and just tosses you onto the I altar. I Eldritch Blast him. Okay. 
Make the attack. Are we about to part? 21. <laughs> oh, that, that hits. That hits. <laughs> 11 damage. Stay away from me. <laughs> this is buck wild. Uh, okay, Cadmus, uh, make a dex save for me since you're being pushed out of the room towards the pit you all had to cross. <laughs> mm, looks like I fall in that pit too. Yeah, yeah, you fall into the pit and take... Oh, Jesus. Uh, three damage. I've told you, do not throw me <laughs> just because I am smaller than you does not give you the right to throw me around. <laughs> Cadmus, are you at six health right now? Yeah. <laughs> Did we perhaps learn a valuable lesson about respecting the bodily autonomy of others? <laughs> uh, you are on your back in the pit. Meanwhile, Peck, you're on the little pedestal. Are you going to check out the... Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, you clamber off. Someone has helped me out of this pit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave Cadmus. So. Yeah, let's just say that uh, you guys are all able to get him out of there. Yeah, we could say we left him. I mean, you could. Is anyone going to help? I'll help him. I'll get the rope. <laughs> that was a long yeah. hesitation. <laughs> I am the least I'll help strong. Him as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, as everyone else leaves this chamber, I would like to walk over to the pedestal. Oh my god. Uh, hanging back, I take out five gold, drop oh. it onto the pedestal, okay. and say, uh, Can you let Zalaria know I'm trying the best I can? And. I'll help try and get this artifact back for you as well. Then I follow after everyone. That is that is not at all what I thought we were. I thought you were stealing the coin. No! <laughs> Character <laughs> development! He was just uh, pouring some out for his me? homies <laughs> while we he left. Uh, it's character <laughs> development! Come on! Uh. That was a lot of info dumping. Y'all want to level up? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm tired of being level two. All right, let's be level three then. <laughs>